Or they could just call the most obvious choice. You. Yeah. Actually, I think that you know that 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 band I showed you, Heart of a Coward. I think that's who should fucking front the band. Cause he's got it. He's got awesome clean vocals. What about that guy from Calculating Infinity? He's pretty good. <laughs> He'd be like, this is way too fucking structured. I don't even know how to sing over this. <laughs> and if you think this is way too fucking structured, then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I am Joe. That is Dan. That is Jeff. And we're talking about the Dillinger Escape Plan on this episode. Hell yes, we are. Bring on the chaos. I think oh Dan's my a little God. excited. I am totally ribbed out for this episode. Yeah, he's I, like, veins are bulging. I and- love the Dillinger Escape Plan. And I cannot tell you how excited I was to get to listen to one of my favorite bands all week and actually have like an actual reason for it. You know what's funny is back in the day when I used to do a lot of work for, um, I'm going to give a plug. Sorry, I can't help myself. Hockeyfights.com. Man, there were so many people on that site that loved Dillinger. And because of that, I was a total hipster dick and like, nope, I'm not going to listen to him because everybody else likes him. It's your loss. Yeah, it was totally my fucking loss because then a couple years later, I started listening. I'm like, God, I was a douche. Apparently, Jason Wisdom was right. Always right. Because <laughs> <laughs> this is a really good fucking band. I love the fact that they don't it's like they have like split personalities. I I love that. They're bipolar in their presentation. It's Dude, more like this they're quadpolar like, or some shit. This man. is like if you have a blender and you throw in some radishes, some spicy onions, some fucking cherry like like some some sweet cherry flavoring like what you use to flavor cherry coke like cherry grenadine. Is this this recipe for the relish your wife made last fucking week? Fucking a bunch of cocaine, four the pickles. not. And an entire bottle of Tabasco sauce, and you mix that shit up and drink it. That's Dillinger. But the th- the fun thing about it is, is your blender doesn't work quite right, so it's not all like a hundred percent mixed. Nope. So sometimes you're getting nothing but Tabasco. Right. But sometimes, I mean, and sometimes there's like a little pinky drip that's like falling out of the blender on the side, or the shit that you like scoop up from the outside of the blender. That shit is Dillinger. One hundred percent. Well, before we get into what is Dillinger, one hundred percent, I'm going to take this time to say thank you to everyone for listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, you can find everything discography discussion at discussmetal.com. We are on Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio. So if you have an Amazon Echo or a Google Home, you have no excuse. Ask it to play the latest episode of the discography discussion podcast, and it will. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Be sure to like, favorite, and subscribe. It really helps us out. It lets us know you're listening. And now Dan is going to tell us all about five-star reviews. We love five-star reviews here on Discography Discussion. And whenever you leave us one, we'll actually read it on the show, which is what I'm going to do right now. On iTunes, DTMOF84, which I actually think I know who that is. He writes, uh, really enjoyed the podcast. Every episode sounds like a conversation I would have with some friends on the way to a concert or just hanging out in general. Well, thank you very much for that review. That's, uh, what, one review, so nine more, and we're going to do the uh, the Faith cover. I, I was going to do Careless Whisper. <laughs> okay, well, you do what you want on your time, buddy. So, uh, yeah, thank you again, guys. Keep those reviews coming. Keep tweeting at us. Keep sending us emails. We got a tweet from Kent Renton. He says, I just found you guys thanks to a mention on Podcast Rock City listening to the contortionist episode and you guys mentioned bt bam a lot are you going to do a bt bam episode yes absolutely 100 percent. not 43 percent <laughs> dillinger joke see what he did there i do har, har. by the way thank you podcast rock city for the shout out we appreciate that yeah absolutely i will tell you this i am thoroughly enjoying myself a high brew coffee right now courtesy of high brew coffee yeah i didn't think i'd like the mexican vanilla and I was way wrong. You got that cinnamon, didn't you? Yeah, it, I'm. I'm normally like a straight up, like old school, like give me my coffee black kind of dude. So it's very creamy. <laughs> it's really good. Very nice. Yeah, we love you, High Brew Coffee. Um, sometimes our podcasts go really late into the night, and we need something to give us a little bit of a boost. And that's where High Brew Coffee comes in. It is a uh, cold brew coffee, so none of that warm stuff. Because I don't know about you guys, but when I drink warm coffee when I'm tired. 
I, I just continue to fall asleep because I'm too comfortable with it, you know? But uh, a, a nice cold brew coffee really kind of gives you that kick in the ass that you need and uh, gets you up and moving. So check out High Brew Coffee. So, Dan, tell me about the Dillinger Escape Plan. Okay, so if you take a blender and then you... Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> we did that already. Okay. <laughs> I forgot to mention, though, that whenever you're done, you need to actually pour that mixture out onto a pan and put it in your oven and then burn about 43% of it. <laughs> Something like that. You're such a dork, dude. The Tillinger Escape Plan <laughs> is a chaotic hardcore band that put out their debut album, Calculating Infinity, in 1999. They had put out a demo before that uh, that we are not going to review tonight. This is as good as chaotic metalcore gets. Or got. It's one of those things, whenever I first listened to it, it was like, okay, these guys are beyond technically proficient and they're out to prove <laughs> that they are because they are all over the fucking map with this and that and it's one of those times where that's a good thing like the tony danza tap dance extravaganza the first time you hear the dillinger escape plan you are only going to hear noise and you're going to wonder to yourself how could somebody put this on a record and release it and expect me to like it but the more times you listen to it, you start realizing that this shit is actually really complicated and really hard to pull off. Um, and they accentuate that a little bit because there's going to be just there's going to be some weird little mellow melodic part thrown in there every now and again just to keep you on your toes. Unfortunately, because of how chaotic the music is, that doesn't leave room for shit like choruses or any kind of structure. I mean, if you have any semblance of traditional song structure, you need to throw that shit out the window right now. Because Dillinger on Calculating Infinity is not about writing songs that you're necessarily going to remember the first time you hear them. Which, in some cases, is a detriment. But I feel like on this album, I am like a little kid in a candy store the whole time I'm listening to this because I just never know what the band's going to do next. Whether you're going into more like a, more of a chaotic grindcore direction, or they're gonna throw some jazzy shit in there just to keep you on your toes, a little bit of melody, and then you know you're just back to a swarming vortex of noise. And, and that's the fun of it for me. It is. I mean, it is I, so I, fun. I really enjoy that, and, and I, I'm glad that you know you, you mentioned uh, Tony Danza tap dancing extravaganza because that's I feel the same way about them. I I actually like the fact that. Uh, it's almost like a like a horror movie. It's like you're you're not exactly sure when the scare is going to happen, and you're like, "Holy shit!" You know, because they lull you into the sense of you know security, and then all of a sudden they just go off on a tangent. I fucking love it. It's great. Well, it's, it's a yeah. blast. I don't get the horror movie vibe on this record so much. I feel like in this movie you are the monster, so you're experiencing that chaotic freakout scene the entire time, <laughs> the entire run length. You are on your fucking toes. Well, no, that's what I'm getting at. Like, this is just, the, it's, it is unrelenting. But you are right. There is not the, the lull like there is in future albums. Yeah, is it, a, is it a push a boulder up a hill kind of album? I would say no. Um, mostly because it's not super long. So, I mean, you're only bludgeoned for, like, what, like 35 to 40 minutes? 37 minutes. Yeah, it's not a, it's not a super long record. And, I mean, you can you could try to make sense of the lyrics. I tried to. I failed. I've been trying to wrap my mind around what the hell Dillinger's talking about for years and I just can't really break it it just sounds like a whole bunch of really personal emotions that are described in really abstract ways and then they throw some cool one-liners in there every now and again <laughs> just keep you on your toes um, so now we know why it's an advantage not to follow the lyrics well I think in certain it cases it's, it isn't <laughs> I mean I don't think you're, you're looking for some across-the-board rule, and there isn't one. I, I'm just messing with you, Dan. But uh, no, I gotta I, have a little don't, fun. You can't mess with me on calculating <laughs> infinity. It is, it is by far, in my opinion, a perfect fucking record. There's nothing that you could add to it. There's nothing that you could take away to it. It is by far the most amazing representation of what it is that I have heard in in most bands, and I listen to this genre pretty regularly. And nothing has ever quite captured the feeling I get when I'm listening to Calculating Infinity. It is that good. If you're looking for melody, look somewhere else. If you're looking for, if you're looking for catchiness, look somewhere else. This is just a straight-on beat-you-over-the-fucking-head type of experience. But I guess the whole thing of it being kind of techy, a little bit jazzy, 
um, a little bit bluesy in places and throwing those different elements in, at least you know you're getting your ass kicked by someone that knows their shit. You know, and that's it takes a lot to play this style of music and have it not sound like complete shit. Yeah, and let's talk about the let's talk about the drumming on this record. Holy shit! Yeah, well, like, that, was, that was what stood out to me more than anything else on this album. It was, was I was it was absolutely insane. I was actually, yeah, I, I I broke one of my rules and didn't have my headphones in because work was crazy. But I want I needed to listen, and I had a, a coworker go, "Holy shit." What, what the hell are you listening to? Like he goes, that, that drummer's insane. I'm like, yep, dude, completely insane. Like some of the blast beats and shit that are get pulled off here, and how he just stops on a dime, like it's nothing. Like either this took like a million drum sessions to pull off, or he's <laughs> that good. And I don't know what the answer is. Uh, but what I can say is that it, it is performed at a level that most bands cannot perform on their debut album. And I would say that's true with the guitars, with the drums, with the vocals. The vocals are all over the place. Um, the only issue I have with the vocals and the lyrical phrasing and stuff is that because of the chaotic nature of music, it is really hard to, to sing over that. Even if you're a screaming vocalist, you're looking for some sort of pattern to follow. <laughs> and there, and is, there none. is none with, <laughs> with this album. So... I guess that's the only downside is that, you know, the phrasing's a little weird on the vocals, but I can't really fault that because, number one, I don't know what the fuck he's talking about anyway. And two, <laughs> uh, it just sounds good. Like, his vocals are are just in the pocket and very um, almost pleading, like emotional. Like, it is definitely an emotional outlet, and it works on every conceivable level on this record. I mean, I could kiss this record's ass forever, but like it is literally one of the best representations of chaotic music that you're ever going to hear. It's way up there for you for date oh, debut albums. It, absolutely, man. It is, is it the top for you? I mean, can you think of anything else that you would say is better as a debut? Uh, top 10 at least. Okay. I wouldn't say it's number one, but I don't really like to put numbers on it. Right, uh, but it's it's way up there for you, at least. Yeah, I had a smile on my face from beginning to end every time this week. So, on a top five list, which we don't normally do, where would this sit amongst the Norma Jean, Converge, Zayos of 1999? Is it right well, up there in the mix, or is it still on the outside? No, it's in there. It's, it's above that stuff, actually. Like, I have no issue saying that. Like, I love... I love shit like Norma Jean and the Chariot and stuff, but I did, it was still derivative of Dillinger. Um, not not so much. I'm not really going to throw Zayo in there because they don't really play this style. Um, Zayo's version of Chaos is much different, uh, so I wouldn't wouldn't put them on You're there. You're right. That's a bad example. I was thinking of the dissonant parts of the metal. Yeah. Well, whereas this would kind of be more like in the Mars Volta it vein is. of it is it chaotic is. delivery. It's just he's not singing. There's nothing else like it. Not from this time period, except maybe what like Coalesque was doing. That's probably the best example I could give. I mean, Converge was good at this point, but I feel like Converge got a lot better over time. So if we're talking just 1999, I'm saying this is cream of the crop. This is the best you can get for your money here, and. Uh, I st kind of still feel that way in a lot of ways. I think Converge has come close, but again, Converge is still a little bit more rooted in punk. You know, and, like punk and hardcore. This is um, very much its own thing. And uh, and it is, it is absolutely what everybody would imitate for the decade following it. Like, need I say more? It's fucking landmark. So let's talk about Miss Machine. Let's do it. This has one of my favorite songs on it. So this is five years later. This is uh, 2004. I believe there was a period of time between these two records where Mike Patton actually sang for the band. No shit? Yeah. Oh, god damn. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess I, I know I'm which uh, YouTube uh, rabbit hole I'm going down tonight. Absolutely, man. God, I, I'm such a Patton fan. It's not even funny. Couldn't think of a better band for Mike Patton to front. <laughs> is that going <laughs> I mean? like, to be a new Patreon feature? Jeff searches YouTube for Mike Patton. It's just a three-second clip of, holy shit, this is great. See, I've heard it. You, you haven't. I got to check it out. I, I'm, God, I didn't even know that existed. I'm 
And I'm normally pretty pretty good on, on being on top of those things. Yeah, I believe there's a whole EP with, with Mike Patton. Oh, shut up, dude. Yeah, Are you dude. fucking serious? I am dead serious. How the I fuck? can't believe you didn't know that. I'm such a piece of shit, apparently. Yeah, well, I mean, that's true. <laughs> Miss Machine. A.K.A. Dan's favorite Dillinger album. Well, okay, so they had a vocalist switch, which was really not an issue. Uh, Mike Patton was singing with them while they were still looking for a vocalist. They actually did a contest online where uh, you could sing uh, "43% Burnt." <laughs> that they had an instrumental version that you could that you could sing over, and that's how they that's how they sought their next vocalist. And uh, unfortunately, there is un- there is no tape of me doing that song and sending it in. Uh, that was a little too early for me to be doing that kind of stuff. But uh, they got a guy named Greg. And I'm going to totally botch his last name. So we're just going to call him Greg. Greg was their new singer. (laughs) He sang 43% Burnt real good. (laughs) And so uh, he actually recorded two versions of it. He recorded one that sounded identical to what the Calculating Infinity one sounded like. And then he, he did one in his own style. And we're going to, we're going to get into what Greg's own style was whenever we get into Miss Machine. Uh, There's a lot more surprises for us. As we go on, Trent Reznor called. He wants some of his loops back. Notice I said some. <laughs> you know, it's funny you say that. I guarantee you that you're talking about the same song I am that I thoroughly enjoy. I'm not song. saying I don't enjoy it. In fact, I kind of question the decision of how chaotic can we really be, guys? Well, obviously, we have to play a completely different style. That's the ultimate chaos, right? Well, I don't think so. Like, I mean, the first two tracks on this record are fucking church burners, man. <laughs> they are they are intense. I'm sorry. <laughs> Am I wrong? No, I'm just like It's funny hearing you say that. That's all. Yeah, they are Oh my god. Like I was really divided on Miss Machine when it came out because I love calculating infinity so much. I did, man. I was like I didn't want to hear a new singer. I didn't want to hear any new songs. You were that guy. I was perfectly satiated with Calculating Infinity. However, as I often say on the show, looking at it as an adult, (laughs) I can definitely say that some of the changes that took place on Miss Machine were appreciated. So you had the first two songs basically just sound like B-sides off of Calculating Infinity, except for now we have a budget. It's like the difference between Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2. Like, we is have it a, a sequel? Is it a remake? Well, no, it's not though. I mean, it's it's more just like of the same thing, but with like obviously more money put into it. The equipment's better, the recording's better, everything's better, but they're still playing as crazy as shit as they played before. But also, like Evil Dead Two, this is when the band stops taking themselves so damn seriously, and that will become a staple of Dillinger's sound later on is that they're not necessarily sold on the image of Dillinger either. And so they don't have any problem fucking with us from time to time with the format. And uh, so whenever Highway Robbery comes in, you're like, holy shit, like, what is going on here? Like, uh, you've got a, a, a fucking chorus? Yeah. Are you kidding me? <laughs> And he's singing. I mean, he's yelling. You know, he's got like this, you know, early, you know, proto Southern rock thing that became a little bit more popular around that year. You know, um, and so it wasn't entirely a clean vocal, but it was definitely more of like a weird Southern rock kind of hard rock and rolling kind of song. You know, like I don't know how to describe it. You know, then you go into Van Damsel and they're like, oh, fuck, we're just fucking with you, dude. We're, we're still Dillinger. It's fine. <laughs> like I said, like, don't worry chaos. about us. Yeah. Yeah, and at this point, I'm completely disoriented, you know, because after a while, you know, you're used to, you know, you're used to being spun around in the dark with blindfold on, you know, so long. So, like, I got used to calculating infinity. I memorized the riffs. I memorized the song structures. You have to memorize it in order to remember it. You do, and that's fine. I, you know, I I listened to that record 18 bazillion times, and so I, I had no issues with that. But, like, my first time through Miss Machine, even as hardcore of a Dillinger fan as I was fuck i'm five tracks in and i don't know what the fuck's going on well that would be a pig squeal going on um and then they totally 
messed you up again. And then, you know, they're all like, yeah, let's phone home. <laughs> Which I fucking love. Phone home is great. Dude, I wish they did more yeah. of phone home. Well, this is like when the electronic elements start coming in. Yeah, I, and, and I really that's dig different it. Again, it's like, fuck, what the fuck is going on in this record? You know, because this is uh, totally different. I mean, this isn't even like Highway Robbery, which is kind of a dirty, dingy rock song. Phone home is like we're going straight nine inch nails, and they fucking do it well. That's the great yeah, thing. Yeah, we're not. Yeah, we're not letting up with this. This is the journey that we're taking you on, and you're gonna fucking get over it. Um, and so you know, I had a little bit of issue with this because like back back in the days of calculating infinity and Miss Machine, I was the kind of person that no clean vocals ever, you know. So I really, really enjoyed this album much more listening to it now um, because I was definitely more into what they were throwing down. I appreciate bands like Nine Inch Nails a lot more than I did back then. So when I heard this initially, I was like, what the fuck is this? I, you know, like, what the fuck is this band doing? See, I, I, I cut my teeth on music like this, so this is right up my avenue. Well, the song's scary as hell, too. Like, it's definitely, like, not a song you want to listen to laying in bed in the dark, you know? Like Unless you're me. Unless you're Jeff and you're a fucking <laughs> creeper who probably sleeps in a coffin in his basement. But uh, uh, don't tell people my secrets and just say Jeff's fucking, name. I have church, fucking emo vampire over here. I have church pews in my basement that I sleep on. I'm sure you do. I, I, I do. I'm, I'm being dead serious. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta be, well, he rescued those seats because those first two songs are such church burners. <laughs> Holy shit, I gotta save the pews. <laughs> I did, man. They're like 16 feet long, and these are padded. They're not like solid wood. They got pads on them. Oh, they're really comfy. Well, I think what made Phone Home hard for me to get through, not that it was hard to get through. I love the song now, but like... I guess one of the scary things about Dillinger at this point in their career is, yeah, a song can start off like Phone Home, where it's like, okay, they're doing a Nine Inch Nails, Trent Reznor kind of thing here. But they're still Dillinger, so, like, you never know what's going to happen in the next five seconds. So, because, yeah, he's doing the Trent Reznor thing, and then he's screaming again, and the music gets real chaotic, then it stops. And it's just this build-up, this, like, cat and mouse of, like, where are you guys going with this? So is this the thing that everybody says they're trying to create when they're doing a really progressive album? We're giving you Act 1, Act 2, Intermission, Act 3, the finale. You know, everybody says when they're doing progressive rock and progressive metal, this is an example of it being done very well. Where the obvious break from the chaos is cold, mechanical. All right, just slow down for a second, guys. Let's bring the heartbeats down to 87. Thank you very much. And now we're going to hit you like Trent Reznor. Well, I think uh, I think maybe you're making it more complicated than it is. I think this was just pure spaz. Yeah, it's just I think there was a lot of like, okay, guys, we're going to do this fucked up, scary industrial thing at first. And then we're going to scream, and then we're going to do this, and then we're going to scream again. It's like trying to read the blueprints of H.H. H. Holmes' Burger Hotel. You know, like, you're <laughs> just all... never going to get through that thing in a, in a way that you're makes sense. You're listening to that podcast again, aren't you? Yeah, it's just a little <laughs> It's just a little much, you know, like, um, but I, I really liked it now because I like that feeling of unpredictability. One of the hardest things, especially coming off a of Demon Hunter, which was like the most predictable thing ever on every song, to have something like this that was just so, I guess for most people, unpalatable, you know, like it was really refreshing. Yeah, it was just like, roll the dice. What are you going to get? It was like going through a detox. Like I could, th- I could throw all my preconceived notions about what music is supposed to sound like out the window. Because then, you know, we get back to We Are the Storm and you're like, fuck. And it's weird because like all the parts on Calculating Infinity that made me uncomfortable and made me nervous and, you know, it was so all over the place. That's now the comforting feeling that you get whenever they go back to this style. You know, now you're looking for normalcy, and the normalcy is the fucking craziness. And that's just the kind of mind fuck that listening to Dillinger's Escape Plan really is. I think it's the fun of it. I, I had, like you said, like after Demon Hunter, I really enjoyed this week just because it was it was fun. Because it wasn't monotonous. You knew every single time what you were getting with Demon Hunter, 
And this time it was like, okay, just, you know, close your eyes, pin the tail on the donkey. <laughs> Where's it going to end up? You had no fucking clue. It's and, gonna and end up in Star Wars because fuck you. That's why. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you, know, you don't know where you're going. I would have never thought. I would have never thought in a million years that I'd be hearing a Dillinger album with singing on it, and the singing would be the weird, unpredictable thing. You know. And so they're gonna f- keep fucking with us as time goes on too. Yeah, and I tell you what, this cat's falsetto was fan fucking tastic. Oh, he's great. And his vocals were his clean vocals weren't super strong on on Miss Machine. No, they're not. Uh, but they, they definitely d- they got, got better. better. Yeah, yeah, a lot of improvement there. And uh, Dillinger really took their time between albums. This wasn't like it's not like a bunch of guys just went in, and made noise for an hour, and then left. The Chariot. Uh, <laughs> you know, th- this is this is well thought out. Everything that's there is there for a reason, and it is trying to provoke some sort of response from you. It's very interactive in that sense. But again, it is also a hell of a lot of fun to listen to. I mean, I I, uh, I thought this was great, and it was a really huge... It, it really expanded on the band's sound in every conceivable way. To just the fact that it sounded better production-wise... The screams were intense. The screams were more varied too. Um, on the first album, the screen you just had pretty much one scream from beginning to end, which again is fine. It's a perfect album. I'm not saying anything bad about it. But God, this is my favorite part of the song. But it's not like you can't take something that's already perfect and make it better, right? Yeah, this is what sold me on this yeah. album. Uh, it was the we second are the ha- storm. Yeah, the second half of We Are the Storm when he starts going in with that kind of ethereal falsetto, and I'm like. Oh yeah, dude! This this guy, <laughs> he's good. I mean, I I think this guy's uh, vocals match the band so well because he is rather versatile. He can he can do the clean singing. He can do the crazy high falsetto. He can you know scream whatever the hell you want him to. And that's what makes this fun is the fact that he's got a voice that can match the shit that they're actually doing musically. And I I. I really enjoy that. And the fact that he can offset it too. He can have that dichotomy when you want to and, and really make it a, a jarring experience. And I, I think it's great. Do you think the personality shift and the fun of the band was just based on this one guy's personality? I, I don't know about that, but I really do think that his vocal stylings just match so well what they're doing musically. That's, you know, whether they're getting along, you know, I have no idea. I just like personally how he sounds uh, you know against the canvas that is the band I think it just I think it just works fantastically They're I think it works match made in heaven yeah it yeah. is I, I think it, he, he's better than the original vocalist as far as matching the, the band as far as dynamics goes yes, yeah absolutely yeah I think it'd be impossible to answer that question yeah. be, being that this was their first major recognized release yes they had an album before that but for most people this is the first record so you do you guys think that a band can put out a weirder album than Miss Machine <laughs> they did. I feel like what you're saying is it's time to talk about Iron Works, Joe. Yeah, it is. Oh, God. This has got, like, the worst song ever on Fix it. Fix your fucking face, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> okay? This record starts off with a bang, a shotgun blast to the face. It is amazing. Yo, I'm not saying that this is the song that I can't no, stand. No, I know, but I just... I want to reinforce this, that, like... Yes, this was a time period where you actually could start hearing... Dillinger songs on the radio. Like, I remember hearing Highway Robbery on the radio and being like, what the fuck? That was not the Dillinger escape plan, you know? And and being real upset about it or whatever. And so, I kind of wrote the band off after a couple years of putting up with that shit. You know? And I was like, well, they're clearly not the same band that they were on Calculating Infinity. I don't care. It's over. Now, here's what I didn't know. Uh, what I didn't know is that Dillinger consistently still delivers that chaotic metalcore fix that I love on every album. So regardless of how I feel about the rest of the shit that's being thrown down, uh, this is going to be really important in a minute, uh, the rest of it is still so strong in the chaotic hardcore metalcore realm that I'm actually willing to give the experimentation a much better chance than I am with a band that shoves it down my throat. Yeah, I, I have to say that as time went on, I actually 
really started to enjoy their experimentation more than I did their chaotic side, surprisingly, which I didn't think would happen. But I actually started looking forward to what else that they were they were given, except for one particular song on this album, which I don't understand how it became a single. And oh, I understand. I. It's horrible. It's catchy. Go as ahead fuck. and talk about black is, bubble gum, Jeff. It's not fucking catchy. It. It. What it. All right, I'm gonna pull up the text that Dan and I had earlier because I. I can't remember exactly what I said, but I. Let's see. Send pics. Y N. Let's say and I said no. I'm not. I'm not digging Ironwork so far. It, it's the last listen I need to do. And he goes, Oh, no black bubble gum for you. And I'm like, It fucking sucks. That is the track I'm hating on right now. And then Dan goes, oh, I thought it was a joke song, so I loved it for that reason. And then I said, I, I have no sense of humor, apparently, because I didn't think it was funny at all. I just think it's fucking terrible. And then send nudes, I think was the last. Oh. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, <laughs> so uh, Black Bubblegum is a dirty <laughs> pop song. And it you is dirty. Dirty pop song. I, you. Can't even, I can't even call the rock. That's giving it too much credit. Dude's doing a crazy, weird Ozzy Osbourne thing at the top, and it's weird to me. Um, I don't know. Like, I'm not sure what the style was. Because I don't know enough of. Well, you think it was a Buck Cherry type of? Yeah, okay. I'll go with that. All right. Well, I thought this was really catchy and fun. It was a little ballsy too that it was track three. Like, but that seems to be the case. It was the same on Miss Machine where you had two albums that were essentially, or two songs that were essentially in the style of Dillinger that you had come to know and love. And then they dropped this fucker on his track three. And this is not like Highway, like Highway Robbery was a really fun song and got you, got you pumping. You got to be a very different kind of music listener to really appreciate a song like this. And it's weird. It's bizarre. It's full of really weird, high-pitched, annoying singing. And it just follows, like, one beat from beginning to end. And again, though, like, this is far more terrifying for me to hear (laughs) than a chaotic metalcore onslaught. And again, it's one of those, like, I'm craving the solid ground of a chaotic metalcore song versus whatever this shit is. Um, Stuff like this reminds me of when the Mars Volta first kind of became a thing, because I asked the question, what's the point? You're going into the studio, you're improvising a record, and then you don't go play it live because all your live shows are improvised. Oh, we're, we're chaotic and progressive. It's like, well, no, this is actually more chaotic because you don't see this coming, and every time they give you a little tidbit, it's almost like they're giving a middle finger to pop music saying, if we wanted to, we could do this. But we're over here doing this chaotic thing. Right, we're not thing. just up here screaming and, and, and playing dissonant riffs because we can't play good pop songs. And we're not doing an you album know. of pop songs because we're lazy and we can't come up with new, creative, chaotic ideas. I bet they played this fucker live all the time. I would, If I had a song like Black Bubblegum, I would play it just to piss people this off. This would have been the radio visit. Like, And now we're speaking to Dillinger Escape Plan on K91, 17, whatever. It's obviously kind of a joke song, but... Do people that listen to pop music know that? No, they don't. So, like, (laughs) it's one of those weird things where I think nobody got the joke. It's kind of like the Beastie Boys' Fight for Your Right to Party, where that was like a parody of... um, Maybe it wasn't Fight for Your Right to Party, but it was like one of their earliest sounds where they were doing a rap thing, but they were making fun of rap because they were just like a punk band before that, and they were making fun of rap. But people liked the rapping that they did so much that they just decided to go with it, and uh, and that that's definitely um, the same vibe I get off of Black Bubblegum because I'm like, well, shit. Um, I think the the people were like, oh, Dillinger Escape Plan. This is kind of a weird, crazy song. This isn't what I would expect the band to have sounded like, but uh, here it is, guys. Enjoy it. And enjoy it. The masses did after two million streams on Spotify. Holy shit. Ugh. So then that goes into Sick on a Sunday. Yeah, Sick on Sunday is tight. It's terrifying, too. I love that. Fuck. 
Well, we know what like, Dan likes. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! Like you're just like in this little comfort zone until then. Fuck! I hope you weren't asleep. <laughs> what black bubble gum didn't do it for you, dude? I think you just figured it out. This is for the people that listen to Dillinger when they go to sleep. You know, by the time you're lulled into this, you know, calm state, you're on black bubble gum, and then you get to sick on Sunday, and you're almost completely out, and then out of nowhere, just. This is the this is the part though like this is the only downside with the al- this album for me is the sequencing. Um, as a listener, I didn't appreciate getting black bubble gum, sick on a Sunday, and then when acting as a particle all in a row. This is an album where the first two tracks are great, and then the next two um, or the next three kind of drag for me. Really, I, I then, really like um, sick on Sunday. It's a good song, but like. I don't know, with when acting as a particle comes after it, which is more of like an interlude. Yeah, it is an interlude. Than anything I'd else. Say. And again, you know, I'm the guy that's only here for Godzilla. And in this case <laughs> okay. in this case, Godzilla is chaotic hardcore. And so I don't get that again from track two all the way to track six. Excuse me, sir. Um you're here for Godzilla? Yes. Okay. Um he hasn't arrived yet, but King Caesar well, is hell? over at the bar. Well what the hell? I already I already bought my ticket. Well, he'll be here this later, sir. This is a fucking sir. outrage. King Caesar is no. over at the bar. No. If you want to sit at the bar I, no, until I talk Godzilla to shows up. But yeah, Nong Igong is awesome. Um, Can you say that one more time? Nong Igong. Yeah. Don't know what it means. Don't care. So, uh, loved this song. It's also a church burner. You know. Jeff, save the pews. It's it's almost like it's a lot of their stuff is, like we say, the, the, uh, a bit tongue-in-cheek. You know, they're like, oh, here, here's our, here's our singles for, you know, for our, our, you know, the radio listeners and then the deep cuts for all of our hardcore fans. I mean, it could have been worse. They could have done an entire album of emo. Can you imagine? They could do it. What if you bought, what if you bought this record on black bubblegum alone? (laughs) I would be extremely confused. I'd definitely be asking to talk to somebody's manager then. (laughs) I, Which I would, is sad because if you're at Sam Goody, then it's Jeff that's the manager. Uh, so you're kind of in a, between a rock and a hard place there. It was, see, well, here's the difference, though, is that I would have uh, let you know, you know, hey, you know, have you listened to the rest of that album? Because it's not all black bubblegum. Because I actually, I used to have to have those discussions with people when they would come in. Uh, looking, you know, for the, ra- you know, they get the radio edit of whatever it is. And I'm like, and the rest of the album is like way different. I'm like, yeah, that's just how it works. But thankfully I would, for the most time, I would actually let uh, people listen to it. Well, I think that uh, this record, as great as some of the moments on it are though, I don't feel like this was as strong of a record as Miss Machine. And the reason I say that is because there's a lot of crazy shit going on because it's Dillinger. But I feel like this album lacks a little bit on the actual substance part. Really? And instead opts for more interlude type of songs. And um, even though I like the way it sounds, I don't think it's as strong as an actual finished product as Miss Machine was. Just my two cents. Still love it, but it's just not... Uh, it's not as strong as some of their previous material. You ready for option paralysis? Absolutely, I am. Talk about option paralysis, which is exactly what it sounds like, having too many fucking options. We're going to do a podcast. You're like, who do I talk about this week? Well, I guess I'll talk about... No, you need to make a list and follow it, because if not, you'll get option paralysis. It's kind of like having 28,000 DVDs and then deciding what to watch. Oh, that's... Kids still watch DVDs, right? Option paralysis is what happens when Dan can't decide what kind of song he wants to write, so Joe shows up with 20 ideas. Well, and like uh, streaming services, that's a big one with option paralysis. Yeah, Being Netflix. able to have anything at your at your beck and call, uh, it can be a little rough. Like For me personally, as a music listener, this podcast has been such a positive experience for me because it forces me to listen to stuff without immediately switching to something else. But I mean, I. But it just means that I have the one band that I will listen to, and then I just don't skip as much. But yeah, I, I'm horrible about, uh, especially on like Spotify, going in, finding some weird ass obscure band that's recommended because I'm I'm listening to Dillinger, and then I'll go to that band's page, 
and then it'll say related artists and I'll click on another artist that's on that page and I'll do that like three or four times till I get to an artist that's like under a thousand listens and then hit play. Okay, so you're a hipster. Got it. it. I'm not a hipster. I'm just looking for something different. Hipster emo vampire. Fuck you. Got it. You got that <laughs> Under Oath CD, right, Jeff? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's so good. I love it. It's like a rapture. So, uh, <laughs> back to good bands. Uh, Dan's oh, still waiting damn, on Godzilla. Dude. Um, yeah, Farewell Mona Lisa is an interesting song and that it it actually kind of gives you a preview of everything you're about to experience for the next 40 minutes in the sense that you have the chaotic metal core of Dillinger with the experimentation, with the singing, with the industrial parts, with the slow moody songs. It's all in this one song. And that's different because typically, you know, they start the album out with a blast. And they they do that kind of, but like you you know you get about a minute and a half, two minutes into the song, and you know you're and you're back in gears. the yeah you're back in the experimentation department, and it's a good thing. Welcome to the experimentation department. You're it's entering my first Dan's day. experimentation department. Uh, so <laughs> like a good neighbor, uh, Dillinger's there. They're fucking Frankenstein. I was just thinking about that. Like they're just like a bunch of different human body parts just thrown together. So these are the and, parts and, we and found in the graveyard this week. Do you think yes. Greg's singing vocals on this album started to sound really Mastodon-y? Yeah, and I'm perfectly fine with it. Oh, I am too. There's a lot of bands at that time, though, that had that same tonality, and I think he was just another one that fit the mold of sweet baritone deliciousness. Yeah, it's hard to slow your pace down and be playing this heavy, epic, slower type of song and not be compared to Mastodon. You know, like that's that's just par for the course. I mean, this is 2010. Mastodon's already a huge thing at this point, so to say that there was no influence would be ridiculous. And again, like Frankenstein, they're always sewing new body parts onto the monster. Yep. And uh, like a monster it is, because Option Paralysis actually had that, gave me that same feeling of like, oh shit, what's going to happen next? There's a lot of that on this record. Um, and a lot of it is within song. Yeah, as I say, that was that was the thing that got me excited is the fact that that it happens within the actual song instead of actually going from song to song. Which, you know, I've I've kind of beaten that horse to death. You know, I like the uh, the ebb and flows within a song. You know, whenever you can lull me into a sense of security and then kick my ass. You know, like a half second later. And yeah. there's a lot of that on this album, and I love it. Uh, one of my favorite songs on the CD is uh, Gold Teeth on a Bum. You know, like this whole record is weird because I think this had probably the least amount of chaotic hardcore. That is correct. On it. And normally this is the part of the show where I'm like, they fucking sold out. They wipe their asses with $100 bills, you know. But um, you can't write music this weird and be wiping your ass with $100 bills. <laughs> No, it's it's fives and tens. There's like, I mean, like, there's some Captain Beefheart shit going on here, and like, bow to the trout mask replica. Yeah, um, this record is not palatable at all, uh, which is why it's great. Um, I was getting some green Jello vibes on this song. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's just so much. There's so much going on in each song, and um, I have a little bit of trouble. Um, keeping track of it. Not that the songs drag, but you know, they're none of them. We don't have any like twelve-minute songs here, but um, it's just they so fit everything all over in the a twelve-minute song into a four-minute song. Right. <laughs> well, it's it's trying to like again sell us on this idea of actual chaos, and that's what this is. Actual chaos doesn't necessarily have to fall in the realm of chaotic hardcore. It doesn't have to be fast either. It just has to be weird, and you have to not be expecting it. It's got to—they've got to do literally the least expected thing in order to stay truly random. And I think that they pulled this off really well on this album. Do you have any standout tracks on this record, Jeff? I kind of like the whole thing. I'm not gonna cop out. I think it's time to talk about one of us is the killer. Then, well, which one of us is it? It's Joe Prancer on Comet, on Cupid, on Donner. Anyway, uh, so. Starting off with a bang again. I think we're back in Miss Machine territory a little bit here. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of us is the killer. To me, is a little bit more of a return to form for the band. Yeah. Because I feel like they've experimented a little too much on 
uh, option paralysis because, again, that record is exactly what it's what it's called. It's option paralysis. Just it's like when so, I had option paralysis trying to pick a song. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Well, I think option paralysis is good as its own kind of standalone thing. But when I listen to that, I find it to be a mistake to take this type of chaotic metal, chaotic hardcore, and slow it down because it almost becomes unpalatable. So when I listened to this record and it was back to being upbeat and fast, this is a little more of what I wanted to hear. And it became a little more digestible because it was sped up again. Well, I mean, shit. This is five albums in. So, like... And we can still do it. Yeah. That's the thing that, that, that kills me the most. We're past the 10-year mark now. Most bands that are this intense are not still this intense 10 years later. Right. They start uh, throwing in the towel. Yeah. And, and that is kind of true in certain, in certain respects. But this record is... I was surprised. Like, 2013, like, okay, you guys could... If you guys did an entire song or entire album of songs that sounded like Highway Robbery, you it, did it, it. It would be expected, you know, like you know, but they don't. They still go through for the fucking throat. Um, and it's weird that you, you kept talking about palatable, Joe, because it's not that they're chaotic hardcore. It's palatable. It's just that we're five albums in now, and now we're used to it. So now the band has to fuck with us even further, so that we don't get too comfortable. That's the common theme that I found with Dillinger Escape Plan is the, the, the point is not to make you feel comfortable or make you feel good necessarily. It is literally just like a, an oral assault. You know, it is you are being confronted on so many different sensory levels when listening to this band that, uh, you know, it, it can be overwhelming. And I think that's the territory that they always want to stay in. I think that's probably that might be my favorite song of theirs, period. Because it's slow and moody, <laughs> and, you're, and you're an emo vampire. <laughs> Ta-da! <laughs> Perfect. Yep. Dan hits it, dude. I, it, dude, it just totally chills me the fuck out. Yeah. His vo- I'm sorry. His his falsetto is just fucking awesome. It's so good. It's my favorite part of his singing is his falsetto. I think it's really, really underrated. I don't even think that the songs on this album, like the slower ones like this, are even radio bait anymore. No, this is not a this is not radio friendly. I don't think Black Bubblegum was radio bait either. I think it just got picked up as that. Um, but one of the things that we've noticed on the last couple of Dillinger albums is they they do melodic and meaning like emotive songs really well. They really do. It's like being in a relationship with a total psychopath because you love them, but you never know when they're going to turn around and start stabbing you in the fucking throat because they're so good at loving you. Norman. Yeah, as you know, as, as like, Joe said, they're bipolar. Norman. Yes. I mean, again, I just, at this point, I don't know what the band's doing. I'm not 100% comfortable, and I'm okay with that because that's what I signed up for. Now, keep in mind, I'm still only here for Godzilla. And I still get Godzilla. He just happened to get uh, a little bit of extra. Yeah. And the extra is good. That's 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 the important part here. You know, there's plenty of other bands out there that have, you know, they try to give you the quote-unquote extra. And it's just, you know, a lumpy mush of shit. Well, I think we live in a generation where a lot of people only have one thing about a band that they like. You know, like, I listen to this band because they do this one thing. You know, back in the day, I liked Norma Jean because they did a dissonant chord, you know, dissonant chords, as far as I knew, better than anybody else. Then I heard Coalesque and realized that my entire life was a lie. But that's okay. <laughs> um, that's, that's fine. That's a discussion for another uh, yes. podcast. But uh, that that's, the, that's just it with Dillinger here is that, like, you can't be that kind of fan. Like, their music... Their music challenges you to be more than that. Because I mean you have to be you have to be emotionally dead to listen to some of these songs, especially on One of Us is the Killer. You'd have to be emotionally dead and brain dead to not enjoy some of what you're hearing. 
whether it's the chaotic music or it's the slower, moodier stuff, there's something for everybody to like here, but it's not there long enough. It's only there as a taste. It's not there as the main dish. And sometimes that I have to admit, it, at times that can get frustrating. The fact that they do everything outside of the black bubble gum, which like Dan says was probably a joke, it's done well enough that you're forgiving. The only problem is that sometimes whenever you start to get, you know, in the pocket and you're starting to get used to a particular sound, they change it up on you again and <laughs> go fucking psycho. Just like a hero of the Soviet Union. Yeah. I, mean, I it, think they're just screwing with the fans at this point, but not screwing with them sure like, you know, awake. fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. It's, hey, hey guys. So, um, yeah, we know it's three in the morning. Um, shots. <laughs> like, they're that guy at the party that never stops. Yep. And then when the party's over, he's like, are you sure? That's very true. I, they, I mean, I I mean, I can stay if you want. It is 5 o'clock in the afternoon on a Thursday. You've been here since Monday. <laughs> Go home. Are you, are you guys made of money? I mean, how do you just keep it? Well, we had that one single uh, black bubble gum. So yeah, we're made of money now. So this is this is whatever the uh, the cocaine that was in that blender that Dan was talking about starts kicking in because they've been up for the last seventy two hours. Oh, dude, there's some LSD in here too. Like you wouldn't <laughs> believe. Like, and that's the whole thing is you know a lot of the times music is compared to food because I'm an overweight person and that's the kind of comparisons I like to make. So a lot of times you talk about a full course meal or they delivered the goods or or whatever. Dillinger can really only be explained as a smoothie because they're not a meal sampler platter no not even that because a sampler platter just lacks originality <laughs> and that's one thing that that dillinger does not lack their originality is unparalleled so a sampler a platter from a fusion restaurant no fuck you but <laughs> the uh what i'm getting at here is that a meal is too structured a sample platter is too structured. This band is 100% unique, this band, even when they're experimenting. It's not like other bands that will drastic, drastically change their style just to sound like what's popular or to sound like another band or, you know, like it's always done so arbitrarily in other bands. Whereas Dillinger's experimentation and their departures are still very, very unique to Dillinger. Does that make sense? Like their experimentation is their own. It's not to match or emulate something else. Makes sense. It's truly talented musicianship. It's really hard to have this type of music. I know. I've tried to make it. And just have somebody show up one day and say, so this is what I want to do. So what they are doing is so far off of any sort of conventional wisdom. You can't just decide this is what you're going to do today. You have to be a very specific type of musician. And clearly, they are a group of such types of musicians. I don't get the impression that this is a band where one guy shows up and the record's done. This is, you guys go hang out for a week, and uh, then I'll come in, and whatever you guys are jamming on, I'll write some lyrics, and then we'll be done. And they go with every idea. So if it's a straight rock song, or if it's a straight industrial Trent Reznor Nine Inch Nails ripoff, or if it's just chaotic hardcore, they go with it. And that is the hardest thing for a lot of people to do, is just go with it. Myself included, there's a lot of musicians who can't just go with it. They have to make sense of it before they can actually finish it. It's, no. This is a song. Just start singing. And when you're done, we'll put a record out. Have a good day. It's a challenge. It's like, let's make every idea work. But like, let's actually make it work. It's not just haphazardly thrown in there. It's crafted. It's like, yeah, we had a whole, all these different types of ideas and we're just going to make it work. We're going incor to incorporate it into our sound and it's going to be awesome and hopefully people like it if not fuck them i don't think this band writes music necessarily for the listener you know i think they just i think this is all selfish i think that's stuff. actually kind of part of the appeal absolutely yeah I, I want you to write music for you and let me do the interpretation for myself after the fact well like i said it was a it was a palate cleanser for me i don't want to be told what i want to listen to i don't want to be recommended stuff a band like dillinger is like 
you know, yeah, sure. You're listening to Converge on the on Spotify, and it's like you may like Dillinger Escape Plan. Like, there's that kind of recommendation, but that's not really an accurate picture of what you're getting because Converge does an experiment like this. You know what I mean? You you can go into a Dillinger song, and I think that's what sucks about streaming is I think that sometimes you'll hear a song, um, and it'll be one of the slower, more experimental songs. And you not really get the idea of how extreme of a band you're actually dealing with. Well, that's, I mean, when I mentioned earlier, whenever I, I do skip around, a lot of, when I generally do that skipping, I'm not even listening to the uh, to the band that I'm, that I'm clicking on the bio, as bad as that sounds. When I'm doing that, I'm trying to go through to, like, find a band that I don't know, just to try to expand my horizons. But when I, it's stuff that I do know. Or I'm somewhat familiar with. I don't just listen to a song, and even whenever I find you know whatever that weird ass band is that you know only five other people have streamed that that song, I try to listen to multiple stuff off of it. I I don't I don't want to write a band off at, after just one song because I know that there's stuff out there that's like this where it's all over the map, and, and you need to you always need to give people or bands, you know, an opportunity to show their chops and just listening to the most listened to song is never going to do that for you. Oh, so let's jump into uh, 2016 Disassociation. I know we're all getting hyped up like we're about to give final thoughts and it's like we have one more album to go. I got to go off on a limb here and say I thought the vocal delivery on this album was fucking awesome. Yeah. Tell us how you really feel. Because he changed it. He really changed it up. Um, yeah, the limerent death or whatever it's yeah, called is fucking yeah. awesome, dude. It is. He, he, he screams in the higher register, and it sounds good. And I'm like, man, I would have would have liked to hear some of those older Dillinger songs sung like this. Um, just as crazy as ever. Um, and then you got that ethereal, yeah, you know, vocalist behind it, layered in. That's fun. I love it. Yeah, I mean, at this point, you're you're not really going into a Dillinger record knowing what you're gonna get, and. Uh, I mean, I think it's really a huge testament to the band that they can still surprise us. If you're only here for Godzilla, you still get him on every album. You still get that chaotic, hardcore thing. So if you're the kind of person that, you know, I only like this band because they do one thing that I like, they make sure to do that one thing at least once on every album. And uh, I think that's pretty impressive. Um, Disassociation, I didn't think was as strong as their previous album, uh, One of Us is the Killer. I think it was kind of obvious at this point that they were done. Not that there's anything wrong with this. This is still better than your your favorite band's <laughs> most recent Swan album. Song, yeah. yeah. I think they went out with a bang. There's some church burners on this. This is one of the longest Dillinger albums as well. And they just kind of pulled out all the stops. This is like they had a meeting and said, yeah, I'm done. Yeah, me too. All right, well, let's just do one more. And yeah. let's give it as much effort as we possibly can. And the end result was, are we sure we want to quit, guys? Yeah. One of those. Yeah, because the next song on this album, I think, is probably my favorite. Symptom of a terminal illness. Yep. Yeah. I dug it. Lemur and Death, I, re- I, I really love too, so... They don't fuck around on this record. I mean, they do. That's all Dillinger does is fucks around. But, like, um, I kind of feel like this band is, like, the dream theater for people that like chaos. <laughs> you know? Which is ironic, right? Because with a, with a better vocalist. Because John Drake hates the Dillinger escape plan. Really? Yeah. Let the hate flow through you. <laughs> this was a little slow for me starting out. But I, I like I like hearing that lower register yeah. tone. That's just Like, me. is there anything you can't do? Vocally, I see this is one of the only vocalists I've ever encountered in our podcast that is just like has no actual limit to what he can do with his voice. And the guy who did the EP that I have to go listen to as soon as we're done with this episode is <laughs> I think they probably hired him for being Mike Patton like, yeah, you know, yeah, uh, and that's that's a huge compliment if you call somebody Mike Patton light, yeah, because I think he's one of one of the best vocalists going and has been for 30 years for sure um i didn't appreciate there being such a slow song as the second track 
But again, we're not done. We're only two songs into a 50-minute album. Yeah, so Joe's playing surrogate now, and like it's a, <laughs> it's a whole, it's a church burner. You yep. know, like Jeff, get the pews again. <laughs> Absolutely, I hate to. Keep I know using your basement term, is full now, man, but you're just gonna have to keep safe in this it's, wood. It's the only term I can really use when describing a band of this crazy. You know, like yeah, it's a church burner. What else would it be? You know, um, the description fits and a disemboweler. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's funny too that they kind of mess with you a little bit on some of these more chaotic songs too, where he'll it'll sound like he's about to go into a chorus and then he won't. You know, yeah. and you're like, oh okay. I see what you did there, you know? <laughs> like, I just keep it on your toes. Like, I mean, I've just never had a band fuck with me to this level, you know? Like, just really kind of get under your skin. And I, it's so funny because, like, I can't wait because the next band we talk about is going to be very structured in comparison. Um, so I'm going to see how much this palate cleanser really did for me, you know? Um, but, yeah, Dissociation is a fucking great record, if I if I can't express that enough. Um they're it, just it, not as strong as the one prior. Right. But that's not saying it's bad. It just means that it just means that, that I good. personally found the previous album more enjoyable for whatever reason. You know, it doesn't. Yeah, it's not like a huge hit to this band. I think there was a little bit of disappointment knowing that the band was going to be gone after this. You know, so we're, you know we're not going to ever hear the follow up to this. Or maybe if they do what all other bands do in ten years, we'll hear the follow up to this. Or they, we get a greatest hits with B sides from their record label. Yeah, if you put, <laughs> with every song with Mike Patton singing. Um, but no, I think uh, I think this is just it for uh, for Dillinger. I think that you put these guys in a room for ten years, you know, like ten and come out ten years later. I can only imagine if they were to reunite and re-release and re-release an al- or release an album that it would sound what it would sound like. I, I think it would just be bananas all around. If they've shown us anything up to this point, it would just be more of the same. And more of the same for this band is whatever the fuck they want to do. So, I mean, that's uh, that's Dillinger for me, man. They, they've always been around, and they have continuously kicked ass throughout their career. I know it just sounds like a puff piece, but... Um, and we really don't have anything negative to say. Yeah, I mean, I, I listen to most of these albums with a smile on my face the whole time. And, so it's, uh, it's weird two out of the last three episodes that we've done we really haven't argued with each other very much yeah we have i don't know just (laughs) trying to throw something on there is that your final thoughts dan on dillinger escape plan i'd say my final thoughts on dillinger escape plan is that if you were looking for new and interesting cool music you can't go wrong with dillinger however if you're the kind of person that only wants to hear chaotic hardcore that's totally fine too check out dillinger (laughs) <laughs> Jeff, what about you? Uh, I just, I love the fact that they challenge their listenership. I love the fact that they make music for themselves and then leave it up to us to decide on, on how to interpret it. And uh, for me, that's that's a lot of fun is just being able to, you know, instead of feel like I'm being pandered to, which happens a lot in music, you know, being able to have a band that just says, hey, we did what we wanted to do, you know, check it out if you want, but if you don't like it, you're stupid. <laughs> Cause I, and that's kind of how I feel about Dillinger is they, they just put out what they feel like they want to put out and leave the rest up to you. And, uh, I've really enjoyed it. This was a fun week to listen to music. I'll tell you that. The Dillinger escape plan is like an all you can eat Benny Hanna cafe in hell. And you walked in, put your credit card on the table, and said, tell the chef, whatever he wants, I'll take it. Keep in mind, it's in hell. So you get that first plate of food, and you think, oh, that was really good. And they say, was it good? And you say, yes. And then they bring you some sort of teriyaki chicken and fried rice, and then you start eating that. And by this point, you're kind of full, unless you're me and Dan, because you can keep eating. But then plate three shows up and plate four shows up. And remember, we're in hell. So eventually you're going to get up and be like, hey, guys, thanks. That was really great. They're going to say, no, 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 no. Sit down. No, there's more. And this goes on forever. Because the insanity of a person who's got a grill and an unlimited supply of food, you don't know what that fucker is going to come up with. And that's the Dillinger escape plan for me. I know what I'm going to get, but I also know that I have no idea 
really what I'm going to like. I just know that what's coming is something I enjoy. Jeff, what's your album of the week? Ooh, let's see if Dan likes this one. Agorapocalypse by Agoraphobic Nosebleed. Oh, good band, good album. Dan, what about you? I've been listening to uh, Give Them Rope by uh, Coalesque. <laughs> remastered by our friend Reed Otto from Tetelestai. Just throwing it out there. I wonder if we're going to get some remastered uh, Living Sacrifice. Oh, that'd I be awesome. So. Some new vocals from DJ. It could not be avoided. Thank you, Lauren Keselowski and the Roach Coach. My ticket home, strangers only. Best $11 I've spent in the past three months. Mine was on beer. Logboat. <laughs> All right, what episode was this? 69. <clears throat> Giggity. <laughs> That's perfect for Dillinger. <laughs> and on that note, this has been episode 69 of Discography Discussion. Woo-hoo. Thank you for listening. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Google Play, iTunes, and Stitcher. Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things discography discussion. And please send questions and comments to DanAndJoeShow at gmail.com. If you are not a patron, you can become one at Patreon.com forward slash DiscussMetal. We have some sweet perks. Yeehaw. Yeehaw.